All right, we're going to talk about anger part two today. How many people were here for part one when I spoke about anger two weeks ago? All right, a few of you. How many of you were here last week for Linda's message? That was aces, huh? That was really good. Yeah, so uh, let me give you like the quick two-minute the two-minute uh, uh, kind of synopsis, even though I know you all remember it from last week. This is for the people that weren't here. Um, so here's what I said, right? I said, um, if we are made in the fullness of God's image, right? If we are fully made in the image of God, then our anger is righteous. And so what I did is I read this passage. It says, in your anger, do not sin and do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold, right? And I, and I said, you know what? Bad theology uh, has us interpret that the wrong way. Uh, bad theology tells us that because we are uh, sinners and God sees us as a problem that has to be solved by Jesus, we don't inherently trust ourselves, right? So when we feel angry, we're like, oh, I'm a sinner. Uh, should I really be feeling angry, right? And, and so what I said is in our Christianity, it is not a spiritual weakness to be angry. It is not. Right? And then I said in our Christianity, it is not a spiritual weakness to let the sun go down on your anger. It is not. Our anger is righteous. It's what makes us fully human. Y'all remember this? Good. So now I'm going to get to part two. Because part two, I'm here to tell you that the first sin that we see in our scriptures is the sin of anger. So what do we do with that? Now here's another fun fact. I was today years old. No, I was this week years old. <laughs> This week, years old, when I realized that the first sin in Scripture is not Adam and Eve eating fruit in a garden. That wasn't the first thing. That's what brought sin into the world. Technicalities, y'all. <laughs> Technicalities. Anyway, the first sin comes from two people named Cain and Abel. You ever hear of Cain and Abel? Yeah. So Cain and Abel, let's talk a little bit about them. They are the, the sons of Adam and Eve, so the story goes. And, and they both bring a sacrifice to God. And Abel's sacrifice to God is much better than Cain's sacrifice to God. And so then what happens is Cain gets angry. That's what he does. The Bible says he gets angry. And so here's the thing with that. Anger in this situation is not yet a sin. Like I said last week or two weeks ago, sin uh, or I'm sorry, anger is righteous. Anger is a good thing. Let's read about it, though. It comes from Genesis 4 and it says this. The Lord said to Cain, he said, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is lurking at your door. Its desire is for you, but you must master it. Can't you hear like Yoda <laughs> saying that or like Dumbledore? Somebody like that, right, right? So what happens? Well, Cain, listen, Cain is in a position where he's angry and it's okay. He's allowed to be angry, but here is what comes next. So Cain says to his brother Abel, let us go out into the field. And when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. And then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground, right? Anger is not a sin. In this case, and in all of our cases, and hopefully not this harsh, our, our, our anger becomes a sin when it takes away the fullness of humanity from others. That's the bottom line. We see this literally, right? We see it literally happening. We see Cain literally taking the fullness of humanity from his brother Cain. Now here's the thing. I know some of y'all have heard my story over and over, uh, and I'm going to tell it again one more time, so hopefully I don't bore y'all. But here's the thing. Like, it matters in this situation. Uh, because when my dad came out, my dad became, uh, came out as trans about eight years ago. And when that happened, I was incredibly angry. What was I angry about? 
I wasn't angry um, that my dad came out. Like that felt objectively okay to me. You know, I, I didn't see that as a, as a wrong thing or that my dad was doing something wrong in the eyes of God. What I was angry about was it felt like deceit. Like I felt like I'd been lied to. Like I didn't understand it, right? I, didn't I, I was like, why did you never tell me? Why did I never know? And then I had to go back through my entire childhood and every significant interaction, I sat there and went, well, was that my dad or was that like a woman dressed in drag? Like, who was it? You know, and that made me angry. That's what I got angry about. And so in that anger, that anger, I feel like was righteous. I feel like it's okay to be angry when in some ways our worlds are upturned, right? I think that's okay when we uh, get surprised by something or we feel like something feels deceitful, whatever. It's okay to be angry. But what did I do with that anger? Well, what I decided to do is I decided to deny my dad's humanity. So my dad said, I want to be trans. I said, no, like you have other problems and you have other issues that you need to figure out. I denied my dad's full humanity. And then my dad's friends would come around. They'd say, hey, give me what's going on with your dad. And I would say, you know what? Whatever's happening is not valid. We, we, let's not validate it. And so what I was doing is in my anger, getting other people not to validate my dad and not to validate the fullness of her humanity. See, anger is okay. It's what we do with it. It's what happens after the fact. And here's the thing. Some of us are saying, okay, well, what does that mean when we deny the fullness of one's humanity? Because there's people that I'm really angry with right now. And those people I'm really angry with, I don't necessarily want to like make amends with them. I don't want to forgive them. Those people, I, I don't want to see them again. No, that's not what it's about at all. If y'all don't want to see somebody again, that's not wrong. Those are called good boundaries, right? <laughs> you feel that? Like, that's what that is. If you don't want to forgive somebody, it's not about like, oh, I got to forgive this person. It's about, no, I'm still processing the thing that you did to me. And I'm going to process as long as I need to. Right. That is OK. But when we start to use our anger to bring about retaliation, when we use it to bring about exclusion and when we use it to bring about violence. What we are doing is we are taking the humanity from others in our anger. So how does that manifest itself? Well, it manifests itself in a lot of ways. Really, it's kind of a universal theme, right? Isn't it a universal theme in some ways? I mean, I don't think Christianity corners the market on this at all. The idea of this kind of anger is real. In fact, we pay billions of dollars to consume this kind of story. How many people know Anakin Skywalker? <laughs> and this is corny, but bear with me, because it is corny, right? Anakin Skywalker, angry, right? What happens in that anger? In that anger, he, he moves to a place where he starts to take uh, the, full, the fullness of humanity from others. And what happens to him when he starts to take the fullness of humanity from others? He becomes less human himself. And we see that. There's a picture of it. He becomes Darth Vader, right? I know it's corny, y'all, but are you with me on that one? I think we feel the same way about he who must not be named. Tom Riddle had a tough life. <laughs> he did. Lots to be angry about. But what happens with that anger? We start to take the fullness of humanity from others and we take it from ourselves. And we see that by the way Voldemort looks. It's a subhuman look. And I recognize I said it. This is a story that is universal. Cain takes the humanity of his brother and scripture tells us that Cain loses his humanity. He must wander the earth for the rest of his days. That's what scripture tells us, losing a bit of his humanity along the way. You see, it's okay to be angry. Anger is righteous. When we start to take away the full humanity of others, that's when it becomes toxic. And it becomes toxic not only for others, but for us too. So Angela and I were on this show called Red Table Talk. That was a good show. It's a good time. 
And uh, on that show, uh, a woman named Jada Pinkett Smith told a story, didn't make the cut, but she talked about how uh, early on her mom was an addict. And she, she talked about the fact uh, that as her mom being an addict, uh, uh, what she wanted to do was express her anger to her mother. I'm angry that you are this, right? And instead, she kept this in, right? She didn't, she, she didn't talk about it. And so what was there became rage. It became toxic. It became something that wasn't able to come out. So it manifested itself in, in ways in which she became an addict, in ways in which she abused other people. And here's the deal. When we aren't able, when we're not, when we're not able to deal with our anger, we're not able to communicate our anger, we're not able to do those things, not only does it take away the fullness of our humanity and the humanity of others, but then it gets passed down to generations gets passed down and all of a sudden the things that we think are okay are really just parts of our humanity missing because it started up here this generation has made, it way, made its way to us. In what ways do we need to communicate our anger to others? In what way do we need to do that so that we don't lose fullness of humanity and pass that to other people? I think our church is incredibly important and I think it's incredibly important because we really believe in the good news of the gospel. Because for me, Christianity, I see way too often how Christianity, when, when God sees us as a problem to be solved by Jesus, that is a conditional love no matter how often we say it's unconditional, right? That's, that means that at some point God is separate from us, doesn't like us, right? And so our church is so important because when we believe something that says that God is separate from us and we're a problem to be solved through Jesus, that means that God's taking a bit of our humanity. That's hard to say. But it's true. And so what do we do? Well, then somebody says, well, I'm LGBTQIA affirming, or I'm, I identify this way, or I do this. And what we do is we take their humanity away. We say, no, well, my God doesn't necessarily see that as good, so I can't see you as good either. Do we see why it's so important to create opposite narratives? You know where it is the worst? It is the worst in the way the powerful and the powerless have relationship, especially here in America, because what the powerful do is the powerful create xenophobia, patriarchy, racism, right? And then when the powerless get angry about that, the powerful say, that's not our fault, that's your fault. This is America. Pull yourself up by the bootstraps and get it together, right? There's a toxic anger there. And then when the powerless get angry, the powerless, but we're still angry, the powerful go, well, don't blame us, blame those who have less power than you do. Blame those who are coming over the border because they're the ones that are taking your power. They're the ones that are doing this. That's what you should be angry about. Blame the ones who are a different ethnicity or blame the ones who have already been systematically oppressed. Their lives aren't great, so you should blame them for that. And so what we do is, once again, powerful to powerless, we're passing a toxic, a toxic anger down. See, it's okay to be angry. Are we denying the full humanity of others in this anger? This quote uh, from um, Frederick Buechner to me is kind of important. I think it gets at what happens when we deny the, ang uh, deny the fullness of humanity in others and what it does to ourselves. He says, of the seven deadly sins, anger is the most fun. To lick your wounds, to smack your lips over grievances long past, to roll over your tongue at the prospect of bitter confrontation still to come, to savor that last toothsome morsel, both of the pain you are given and the pain you are giving back in many ways feels like a feast fit for a king. And the drawback is that what you are wolfing down is yourself. And the skeleton at the feast is you. So then the question becomes, if this thing is righteous and if it's good, if our anger is righteous and good, then what does righteous anger look like that's not toxic, that doesn't take away the fullness of humanity? And just like every other answer from the time we were three years old, if we grew up in the church, what is the answer going to be? Who shows us? Jesus! Y'all Jesus. get stickers. 
I love this story from Jesus because it says this. Again, Jesus entered the synagogue and a man was there who had a withered hand. They watched him to see whether he would cure him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, come forward. And then he said to them, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save a life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger and he was grieved. He was grieved. He was grieved at the hardness of heart and said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out immediately, conspired with the Herodians against him on how to destroy him. Jesus shows us what the fullness of humanity looks like. And Jesus is angry. Jesus is at the same place that Cain was at. Same place that Luke Skywalker is at when Darth Vader goes, I am your father, right? Same place where Harry Potter's at when he recognizes he's got a lot more in common with Voldemort than he thought. We're at this, this precipice, this spot. What do we do with that? What do we do with that? I love what Jesus does because Jesus does something that for me felt a little unexpected and then I unpacked it and it felt right. The first thing Jesus does is Jesus grieves this. He grieves it. It says he was grieved. He grieves it. And I wanted to make sure the translation was right. And sure enough, it was. He was sad over this. He was despondent over this. He mourned over this. Think about when my dad came out and I finally got to a place where it felt okay. Like, this is okay. This is good. The first thing I did was not celebrate at all. The first thing I did was grieve. And I grieved for a long time. This is the way it's going to be, and it's going to feel different. And, and my dad, this is the way it's going to be for her, and it's going to feel different. And oh my gosh, like people have just excluded her, and that makes me hurt too. And I grieved all of it, and I grieved the fact that in some ways I had taken away the fullness of humanity from my dad, but in some ways that I had to re restore and refine my identity and find my fullness again. Grieving is the first step. So, what do we have to grieve? There's anger. We're a I'm angry. Well, what do we grieve to get the fullness of humanity back for us? I think for some of us, we experience shame. We grieve that shame. We've shamed others. We should grieve shaming others. We've taken away power from others. Power has been taken away from us. Let's grieve that. We've been abused by others. Others have abused us. Let's grieve those things. Right now, we are angry. And right now, that anger is denying the fullness of humanity of one person, two people, I don't know how many, but it's also denying that in yourself, and that is okay if we grieve it in ourselves. It's okay if we're sad about that in ourselves. It restores us. Last week when, I, uh, when Linda talked, I think the thing that got me most, the thing that like really hit me was she was like, yeah, I found out that purity culture had made me less of a human being. And, and, and she didn't forgive purity culture. I loved that. What she did is she said, you know what? That is a lie. I am not that thing. And she had to grieve that. And what she did is she was restored in it, right? She's restored. I like that. How do we have to grieve in order that our restoration happens? Jesus heals a man's hand. And here's what I want to say. I want to say once he grieves it, he, he heals a man's hand. Real quick, sidebar, Jesus isn't healing the man's hand and bring, bringing the restoration of humanity back to him. You see, he was already fully human, even if he had a withered hand. For those of us who are differently abled or have loved ones who are differently abled, we are not less of a human being because we are differently abled. What Jesus is healing in this man is not his hand, but the way that the powerful made him powerless. And in Jesus healing his hand, he's saying, I'm restoring power and dignity back to you. And you've always had it. And now others get to see that you have it as well. 
That's what's happened. And in our anger, once we grieve it, guess what we get to do? We get to restore power back to the powerless. We get to restore the fullness of humanity back to others. We get to use anger and we get to bring healing. And that sounds like a juxtaposition, right? That sounds like ironic, don't you think? But first, we got to heal ourselves. And this is so important, I want to read it to you. This is what it means to, to heal ourselves. And sometimes it's just the conscious saying this. It's saying, uh, it's going from saying, I'm not good enough, to I'm taking control. It's going from saying, I've lost all my power, to I'm reclaiming my power. It's moving from the idea that, that I, I have no control in my life, and instead I'm bringing back my full agency. It's moving me from, I'm angry over the powerless, to now I use my full voice to bring power back to the powerless. But it starts with me. It starts with me. It doesn't start with other. It starts with us. And then we get to heal. And then we get to heal. And then Jesus shows us what that healing looks like. And so the question I have for you today in this place is what are you going to do to bring healing? What are you going to do to bring goodness? What are you going to do to restore full humanity? It's the point where Luke Skywalker keeps fighting for the rebels. Harry Potter creates Dumbledore's army. What are you going to create? <laughs> I told you it was corny, but it will work. <laughs> How are we going to be like Jesus? So right now, there are ways that we need to continue to grieve. There are ways that we need to be restored. But once we restore, how are we going to restore others? Who are the people who look and, and you say and you go, oh my gosh, they're powerless and I'm sitting around and I'm, maybe I'm even taking their power. First thing I want to do is I want to grieve that and then I want to go and heal that. That's what I get to do out of my righteous anger. What are we going to do? Because the beauty of the gospel message, the craziest thing about the gospel message is that Jesus is angry. And that shows us the fullness of our humanity. And then in that anger, Jesus says there's injustice, I bring justice. And in that anger, Jesus says there's a man with a withered hand who is not seen as powerful, I bring power back to him, I restore and heal him. And Jesus in his anger, in his anger, right? Jesus is arrested and Jesus is put on a cross. And that anger moves from this place of like hurt and grief to a place of healing, not just for a couple, for every single one of us in this room today, and frankly, the entire world. That's what anger does. That's the kind of healing it brings. It becomes good news, it's restored, it's resurrected. And so the question is, how do we follow in that? Because if we're made in the fullness of God's humanity, and God says, hey, you're going to do greater things than even Jesus. Use your anger to restore the humanity of others. And let's change the world. Amen? Amen. Why don't we pray? God, I am thankful. I am thankful for a God who models what it looks like to be fully human through Jesus Christ. Thank you. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for Christ's anger to show us what it looks like to be fully human. Thank you for Christ's compassion that comes out of that anger. May we do the same. And God, I am so thankful that when we don't, you still call us your child. You still say we are loved. You still say we're made fully in your image, and that never changes. Thank you, God. We pray these things in your name. Amen.